I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping. And that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements. Featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Smashbox TV Podcast 494. Johnny V, long next to me, Terry. Long and next to you? Along next to oh, me. I wasn't sure. My words are... Uh, <laughs> You've run out of words? No. <laughs> no, I'm running out of energy is what <laughs> I'm running out of. I, uh, Much like the players this past weekend. <laughs> yeah, that, that would be a fair You're not going to give assessment. it your full effort? <laughs> um, I, I'm, I'm going to make an attempt uh, to further that point. I set my alarm this morning for 9 o'clock. Okay. I actually went to bed pretty early last night, but I set my alarm Two, for 9 o'clock. 3 a.m.? No, no, no. no. It, was, it was before midnight. Ooh. Uh, I've been feeling quite tired, and my schedule's been more jacked up than normal. Okay. Set it for 9 o'clock, woke up at 5, tossed and turned, and then finally just got up and got after it. But not not the full sleep I've been looking for. I've been on a really I mean, that's a pretty good schedule. That's a pretty good amount of sleep, if you think about it. Nine to, if you go 9 to 5... Uh, no, like, I didn't go to bed at nine o'clock, oh, but, um, oh. yeah, no, uh, <clears throat> one of the exciting things that had to happen today mm-hmm. is the, a course that I've been working on for quite some time, along with John Turlap, along with Tom Jenkins, along with Tom McManus, uh, who have been the, the main staples in this, they are excavating, they are digging out the, and framing and forming up the tea pads tomorrow morning Ooh. at 7 a.m. They had gone out there and went with this massive uh, machine like an and, and built some fairway. No, it's, I, I don't know. It, I don't think brush hogs the the term. They went out with some major machine while I was overseas okay. and created some fairways out of places that <laughs> didn't have fairways. Didn't look like fairways. So it was good to see the progress that was made in the last month when I was out of the country. Yeah, Things look phenomenal. Um, so I was really happy what? about that. However, we had to mark 
the exact T placements because they're going to dig them out and get them ready for pouring concrete. Now, in my perfect world, we wouldn't quite be digging out and putting in T's this this quickly, but they're on a fast track to get this course open and playing. So everyone in southeastern Wisconsin that's been excited about this, which is a few of you, yeah, the, the course is looking good. And so as early as tomorrow, we're going to see the tee pads start getting dug out. And then uh, eventually after that, we'll triple check exactly the basket uh, augering where the baskets will go along with the tee sign. So things are moving along nicely. It was, it's been a whole lot of hurry up and wait. Or in this case, wait, 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 and then all of a sudden we're hurrying. It's going from like 0 to 200 very quickly. So either way, new course coming at us now would you how would you describe the new course as far as caliber of course on a scale of like beginner friendly to pro tour what type of course where would you put that a one to a five we'll say one to ten is one is beginner ten is pro tour where is this course i would probably give it I'll be interested to see how it actually plays when we're throwing discs on it. We got nice tee pads. I would probably put it around a six. Okay. It is, it is not an advanced level course. We would yeah, say. Yeah. Blue level course. At least I would say it's at least a six. Tom today said he thinks it's going to play tougher and maybe even better than gray Fox, which is where mm. I host the cold Turkey, which is where I usually host the skyline classic. Uh, for many, many years, more than a decade. And it's coincidentally only a few minutes from there. So he says that he thinks it's going to be tougher than that. Okay. And um, That's a tough course. I would say that's an advanced level course yeah. for sure. So I guess we'll see. I'm excited. And uh, it, it was pretty impressive what they did with some machinery to go in. Now, I'll also say it feels very different from most of the courses that you or I have been involved with in the sense that, for decades, it's been you find a piece of property, you pitch it to a, a park and rec mm-hmm. department or some kind of municipality, and then ultimately you're out there with 10 other guys and you're framing up the tee pads. We're digging out the 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 holes with a auger or a post hole digger or whatever the case might be and some shovels. This has been very much a design process with lots of visits and then working with people that are actually doing that's great the labor with machines and, and it's it's an hour from my house so it's it's not like oh I'm just going around the corner to go get down to it so it's a concerted effort to to go check in and it's all part of the process and all part of what was bid out and everything else but it also feels a little weird and to be like, "Hey, yeah, we, yeah, this is a really big deal where this tee pad goes, and this is, you know, this is a really big deal exactly where this basket and how it's going to get." Mounted. And is this in a free to play public park? Yeah, this is uh, what's called Salem Lakes. Salem Lake, Salem Lakes. I yeah. don't know if it's plural. Where they put the uh, witches? Like I said where what? Year. Where they put the witches? I think that's just Salem, uh, but Salem yeah. Lakes, uh, which is down by <laughs> Twin Lakes. Down by Silver Lake, uh, which is a city, uh, and <laughs> Burlington. Me, and yeah. I think we've said this Bristol. before. I know Minnesota is the land of 10,000 lakes. Mm-hmm. That makes it sound like they have a phenomenal number of lakes, which they do. But if you ask and you know, Wisconsin has more lakes than Minnesota. 
Exactly. So we're, we're the land of 10,001. So suck it, Minnesota. No, I was asking those questions because one of the things that came out this week is the UDISC Disc Golf Growth Report. And what? I, I got to add this to it. I, that's what I was thinking at some point. Maybe not yet, Terry. Let's wait until. Um, and they've got a lot of really fun information, things that you can use to sell, so to, so to speak, a disc golf course in your area. One of the big things they're talking about on, like, Number of added in 2023, the property type. Is it a public? Was it on a school or university, a camp, golf course, ski area, church, hotel, military facility? Uh, facility. Hotel, mo- motel Holiday Inn. Say what? <laughs> yes, exactly. Um, or like a brewery slash winery. So you, in 2023, we saw public parks gained 541 courses in the year, in the year 2023. Is this is uh, now? This is just what's on you, disc. But I would say a majority of our courses are going on to you, disc at this point. Sure. Um. And so the total number of courses on you, disc in public parks is six thousand four hundred and thirty-one. So that's why I asked, where was this going? Hmm. Yeah, public park. Yep. For free. It will not be pay-to-play. Uh, they're looking to add this amenity or this uh, activity, so to speak, to their park. Their park that gets, I feel like, very little use outside of the occasional like baseball. So I look forward to the three dog walkers complaining about the disc golf course. <laughs> That's exactly true. Uh, and As which, it happens at almost every park, like these people love the <clears> fact that they go to, I mean, this is a generic statement about any particular park. You find a spot that's not used by a lot of people. You get something new in there, whether it's pickleball or disc golf or whatever. The people that did use the park, the few and far, are upset that their private little Idaho is now, um, is now being used by other things, and, and they don't necessarily love that. Correct. And, and so that we've, we've seen that. Well, again, you can take a look at the, um, at the UDISC growth report. They've got all sorts of great information. About I was going to say, what else is in there? Um, they've got total number of courses worldwide. Which is now? 15,205, according to UDISC. Now, this isn't, of course, every course. I think there are some, there are private courses that are not put on here. There are courses mm. that maybe are temporary, only certain times of the year that aren't put on here. There, This isn't the full list of courses, backyard courses. Like, I think UDISC says that they're, um, the line here says, this doesn't count. Right now it says 15,205. This doesn't count the plethora of backyard pop-up. Um, if you add those in the mix, the number of new Builds climbs to nearly eight per day, and there would be more than twenty five thousand courses across the globe. But right now, we have on the UDISC fifteen thousand two hundred and five, and in twenty twenty three, we saw a growth of twelve hundred and forty five courses. Which looks like it's just—I mean, it's hard to tell for sure—but it is definitely smaller than twenty twenty one's growth. Hmm. Well, about on spot on pace of 2022. There's not exactly numbers in there. I'm sure if I if I reached out to the UDISC folks, they would tell us the exact numbers. But it's pretty close. It's a we've been gaining steam. Um, they're they're also talking about the number of rounds that were scored on UDISC. 21.9 million rounds. Oh my god! Yeah. And in fact, I was listening. Wow. I was listening to Steve Hill today, and he said it. I believe he said there were 1.4 million people opened the UDISC app. 
And of those, I think he said something like 700,000 actually scored around on Udisk. A lot of people just use Udisk to find a course. They don't maybe necessarily keep their uh, score. Sure. Or, or they're using it to find a league or things like that. But amazing. 21 million rounds scored, which is up with the 2021 saw 19.3, 2022, 19.4. So a very slight growth, more just a plateau, and then it jumped up another two and a half million rounds on UDisc. So just some really great numbers. We're still ahead, as they joke, we're still ahead of the Dunkin' Donuts. There's more courses than Dunkin' Donuts. Mm, yeah. I mean, I well, mean, Dunkin' Donuts locations, not the actual donuts. Oh, well. I mean, 9,574 Dunkin' Donuts, that's about my donut consumption a year. <clears throat> actually that's not, i don't eat a lot of donuts anymore kind of sad about that but ten thousand about they say 100 and sorry 101,000 tennis courts fifty thousand pickleball courts so those pickleball courts and to think like uh well i'd love to look at the the growth of that yeah, i can only because, imagine over the last 10 I, years that has that has gone from probably i'm just gonna make up a number and say five thousand ten years ago to fifty thousand right now I'm curious about, like, and I don't want to get off on pickleball courses, but they've got tennis courts and they've got pickleball courses, courts. How many of those overlap? Sure. Because you can, uh, my son's at a, they just remodeled the school, the, the school fields and, all, and they're remodeling the school itself. And they added a whole bunch of tennis courts, but they also do pickleball there as well. I've seen it. Yeah. They have a little pickleball thing. So I wonder how many overlap or if that's exclusive pickleball courts. I don't know. Um, 89% of disc golf courses are free to play, and I'm just hitting some of the highlights here. In Finland, the number of disc golf courses outweigh the number of traditional golf courses, 6 to 1. Not a surprise. 33 U.S. states have 100 or more disc golf courses. Wisconsin has 400 plus. Which we are. only uh, is part of, what, six states? Yes, yeah, six can states. can claim that? Michigan, Wisconsin, Minnesota, so the upper Midwest. We're awesome. What can we say? California, Texas, two of the biggest states in our, you know, yep. in our country, and South Carolina. Right? That's that's South Carolina. That's North. Carolina. Oh, I'm sorry. You're right. That's North Carolina. That's South Carolina. That's Georgia. North Carolina. I, I say this all the time. First of all, I understand if somebody gets confused when they mix up Michigan, Minnesota, and Wisconsin, three very similar states. I feel like in a lot of ways, just sure. generally speaking, I guess, yeah, in a lot of ways. And then when I talk about disc golf, very similar. You have very similar uh, courses, course styles. Mm-hmm. You have similar fan bases in, in, in terms of how diehard people are. All of them offer an incredible amount of tournaments. All of them have good courses. Like this just goes to show. And so when I always talk about like where you want to go play, obviously you, we've, you know, talked about kind of the hotbeds and the epicenters and blah, blah, blah. You go to Wisconsin, you land in Wisconsin and you want to go five hours one way and five or six hours the other way. You've got 400 well, courses. I, I was just <laughs> going to say, you've got more than 1200 courses. Uh, yeah. Well, yeah. well, maybe not within those five hours each sure. way, but the point is yeah. those three States offer up 1200 courses. That ain't plus that ain't so bad. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And the, my favorite stat, and this will be the last we, we talk about the growth report, short courses are being built at nearly twice the pace of 18-hole courses right now. So we're talking about nine holes or fewer. Mm. Um, 766 of the 1,200-some courses that were put in in 2023 were nine holes or smaller. And to me, what that says is that we're seeing 
disc golf put in at an easier level. Because usually you could qualify most of those nine-hole courses as beginner-level courses. Not always, but I would say of those 766, probably at least 700 of them are beginner-friendly courses that that, yeah. a, that a family would feel comfortable going out to. It's not like they're putting in nine-hole versions of uh, Northwood Black. Yeah. <laughs> but um, so the, I like to see that because that means that we are seeing uh, more, a lot more holes put in in cities probably. And on top of that, just a lot of introduction, making it truly family-friendly. Because, you know, as, as much as, I'll, I'll pick on it, Northwood Black is great, you would never send a family out there. No. Like, like hey, Grandma and Grandpa, you want to go out and play Northwood Black? <laughs> it's like, wow. I mean, unless you're showing off. Like, look how good I am, Grandma and Grandpa. Um, uh, no, you, oh, sorry. You guys died walking down hole one. I'm sorry. <laughs> oh, that's too but, bad. But uh, I'm going to get it. But I birdied it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, so anyway, I love the fact that we're seeing a lot of nine-hole courses because it's going to help uh, with the growth of the sport in the future. So ultimately, um, it says here, disc golfers spent 42.4 million hours on the course in 2023. And that's disc hours. Yeah, so, I was just going to say. And uh, so the, you, you could probably me. give a, a, add a percentage or two to that, and I, I guarantee you that's probably closer to the real number. But that is your UDISC growth report. Go out and check it out on UDISC.com. Um, those boys are doing some really great work. It, it's, it's phenomenal. I love this report every single year because I love to be able to watch the progression. Okay, and then I oh, – is Josh from UDISC, is, is he out on the board? Is that what he, I saw? He might be. Yeah, I think he said there's even a little write-up and some information, something about the Samui course. Well, you, you're going to tug on my heartstrings no. that way. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it looks like there is. Um, and maybe I talked about it last week, or maybe I didn't, but I think I think Thailand officially has eight. I, I, obviously, I could look it up, but I think officially has like eight or nine-ish courses. But talking about possibly getting uh, adding one or two more here uh, in a very short time yep. span, which would be pretty cool. But it's crazy to think they're, you know. <laughs> I think I've asked you this before. How many, in general, how many courses have you put in about? And how many, how many of those are beginner-level courses? Because I know we've talked about this real quick. I'd have to obviously go back estimate. and take a look. But yeah. it, it's at least 30 that I've had some significant involvement mm-hmm. with uh, courses. And I would say at least 20 of them, maybe even closer to 25, have been, I mean, yeah, at least 20 are very beginner-friendly, family and or beginner-friendly. Yeah, probably 20 out of the 30. So you're responsible for like 7% of Wisconsin's courses. (laughs) Something like that. Uh, now, let me also let, while amazing. we're here, let's let's also in some give, way, yeah, and and like I said, it obviously does, every project has been a little t- bit different. It takes a village. I mean, <clears throat> of course, you're not you're not the one out there solely putting in the work. You're not no. the one that's solely selling it. Sometimes people come to you for assistance. Sometimes you volunteer and help. It, there's a lot of things. I'm just broadly saying, yeah. I mean, you, where I would say I've like had a lead. Either I pitched it to the parks department. Uh, you know, or, and or did some some or most of the fundraising for it, or you know, usually that's that's when I think about the courses that I've been involved with. I've probably been to their park and rec meeting, and or I've been to their school, or their school district, or the college campus in which it's on, or whatever. All of those types of things. I, I yeah, I 
I know I it's on a resume that I haven't updated in many <laughs> years, but I know that number was somewhere around 30 many years ago. And that includes quite a few nine hole courses at schools. Um, yeah. you know, part of which are obviously awesome. my job has been to attend a lot of school, uh, FIAD, you know, uh, sorry, uh, Wisconsin Aford, as we call it, um, go to a lot of those school shows. And then you never there, could get enough school. Could you even no, going back? No, keep getting schooled. Keep I'm getting so skin. stupid. So no, I was going to say, because isn't one of your quote unquote claims of fame, like you didn't miss a day of school un- until like your senior year or yeah, something dumb. Yeah. So it's from like, um, from like when you were like kindergarten through whatever, <laughs> you didn't miss a day of school until you skipped it for disc golf. Way of course. Yeah. And then, and then, uh, and all hell broke loose. And then I taught it at two different four-year universities, uh, taught disc golf. Yeah, I guess apparently I can't get enough of it. You can't. All right. Well, this past weekend, we, some of us, most of us, saw the first live broadcast of the 2024 disc golf season in the All-Star event. It was... Team Isaac versus Team Calvin on MPO and Team Own versus Team Missy on FPO. Uh, team Missy won in FPO. Team Isaac won in MPO. It was the skills. We'll start with the skills competition. Mm-hmm. Um, we saw Anthony Barella just be Anthony Barella and crush. Like, like just ridiculous. He threw... Th- 713 feet, I think, um, in a 360. And when he w- didn't do the 360 earlier, he only threw 700 in like six feet or something. Yeah. It was, you know, I'm, I'm glad that 360 helped him out for those extra <laughs> eight or nine feet that he needed. Uh, it, I really enjoyed the distance competition. And uh, I really, I, I know this is, this might be shocking. I really enjoyed the drone. Truly. I thought it was really fun for the the distance competition i know there were some and rightfully so it, it was it got a little annoying with the buzzing at some point i i think they could have maybe done a little bit with the audio on the ground to help eliminate some of that but hindsight 2020 i get it um just to be able to watch some of our players eliezra over 500 feet what 523 or something 503 503 okay 503 just this time i mean she's yeah, thrown she, 542 yeah and, she's thrown further yeah, yeah. and this wasn't we'll say this was i know we like to sanction it um this was a we'll say a long drive contest this wasn't a true distance there's true distance you have a flatness you can throw any direction you can work with what works best with the wind this was more of a left to right and it was not quite a tail it was more of a side to almost maybe even a little right to left or or, i'm sorry it was a right to left and not a left to right yeah so anyway not ideal not the most ideal weather and and wind but a fun round to be a, a fun vision to be had to watch these players and it anthony brella just crushed the field there was nobody close at least Eliezra had Ella to push her, mm-hmm. but, but Anthony Barella just laid one out there right away, and it was kind of like, catch me if you can, boys, and nobody could. Yeah. Yeah, it was it was an impressive. And, you know, there's so much to be said, and I think one thing that a lot of people don't understand is that it's such a fine line of, well, hitting the right line. And, of course, you're looking for ideal conditions, which they didn't have because of the right to left. As I think I said, even during the show, kind of the the ideal conditions that a right-handed 
thrower wants is a left to right, mm-hmm. not and not full left to right, but kind of left over your shoulder because at like a forty five ish degree you, angle. You throw it with an <clears throat> Anheuser, and it the wind will push it and on the bottom side of the plate, so to speak, and it it pushes it till finally your disc starts to get more stable, and then eventually comes out. Yeah. So. The fact that it was blowing from right to left. Now, it was consistently blowing from right to left for mm-hmm. almost everybody. And coincidentally, we had zero left-handed people, so there was no <laughs> there was no advantage well, to any given lefty that was out there. Who's our furth- furthest throwing lefty right now? It's got to be Austin Turner. Turner or Clemens. Maybe Clemens, I suppose. Um, those two come to mind right off the top of my head. Zach Melton, no. honorable mention. I no. love you, Zach. No. no? Oh, okay. uh, <laughs> I love Zach, but he, he ain't getting in that list. <laughs> okay. uh, <laughs> yeah, so the the conditions weren't perfect, but at least, again, they were very consistent for all of the players in that sense. But a really experienced distance player or distance competitor like a Double G, like a Simon Lazat. Uh, and Avery Jenkins, uh, who competed in a ton of them. Some of these players that have competed in a ton of distance competitions, mm-hmm. they'll all tell you, like, you could go out and and throw, and it's just a matter of hitting that perfect line once, and it's such a fine line to do. Yep. And, and A.B. obviously could say the same, and obviously A.B. had found a pretty good pocket in which he had thrown for. But... Uh, and that's part of it is being experienced. So don't get me wrong; I'm not trying to downplay it. But um, yeah, it's just it's just such a fine it, line. And and uh, it was funny seeing the difference between the MPO throwers and the FPO throwers. Not just obviously distance wise, but I feel like the MPO throwers had a better grasp on distance throwing, like the how to do it, as opposed to most of the FPO throwers seemed to throw more golf shots, like hard golf shots. You saw Henna, who just much more straight and direct. I think I, uh, Eliezra honestly didn't even look like she threw a very good distance. She just threw freaking hard, yeah. and she she crushed. I think Ella has the quote-unquote best form when it comes to like a distance competition distance, <laughs> but I, I think Eliezra's arm speed is just off the yeah. charts, and yeah. it's, it's fun to watch. So if they could actually sit and focus on on throwing distance as opposed to throwing distance golf. I, I can't imagine the distance that both of those women could get. Yeah. Well, it, um, yeah, it was an exciting exhibition. I agree with you in the sense that the FPV drone for that competition when used, uh, can certainly enhance the experience. Obviously there was a massive uproar. Moving on to the next competition proportions (laughs) of people not caring for the drone during the accuracy portion of the skills unneeded. I mean, it's a 260 foot shot. I I understand like you have a toy. You want to play with it in the control room. You you don't get that opportunity to play with those fast moving drones very often because they, they absolutely will not show up for competitions. They're too loud. They're too distracting. You can't have it. So this is a cool environment. It's just that the shots, there was really nothing crazy about those shots that you needed that FPV drone for 
in the act in the accuracy contest which i liked i liked the actually contest overall i liked the style of it with the four trees you had to hit each gap different ways i think there could have been a i think it needs to be worked on i I think the 260 consistent distance i don't like that i'd like to see some differences in distances because i Mm -hmm. think it would be fun to be able to have a few like ace runs set them up at like 120 feet and let them say and say cool guess what a point for basket five to go in Mm -hmm. something like that because just the watching and again it's always fun to watch chris dickerson just you know dominate but watching him just plop them under the basket it's cool it's not really super exciting like it's it's consistent it's fun to watch that type of consistency but i would like to see a little bit more aggressiveness in that accuracy be able to run at the basket on a shot or two or have like a bonus station with that that you move closer for or something strange just to spice it up a little bit as opposed to the, what we did. I didn't mind it, but I think it could be improved upon. Um, we saw Jessica Weiss win that in FPO. Yes. Um, no shock. Honestly, I, before she even, when she got up, I said in one of the discords, I said, this is the type of competition she should make the finals in because she has, such a good forehand and such a solid backhand. Like there's just nobody else that has that, uh, that those, both of those qualities at the level that she does for those type of shots for that, for, for that distance, we'll say, you know, a lot of our women can throw forehand and backhand like a Holland Hanley, I think, but based on the players that were there and I'm, I'm not patting myself on the back too much here, uh, Jessica was to me the favorite. Yeah. And and it and it panned out. Like she ended up winning and it was it was fun to watch. Um and Chris Dickerson just Mr. Consistency. Yeah, it was it was <laughs> just pretty crazy gross. To, to watch him <laughs> open the competition with bullseye. three straight bullseye. 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 Um if that were 150 feet or less and you did it, I'd be like, uh, yeah, uh, yeah, obviously, he's really consistent. That's good. But at 262, like, that's like a medium to short hole at most of your courses. Mm-hmm. Go out there and throw 10 shots and tell me how many of 10 shots you put inside the bullseye. I get as many as he does. Three. <clears throat> oh, oh, wait, he only he, used three. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. He, oh, yeah. yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> I'm taking I, I all 10 you're to going get those three, three for three at 262. <laughs> oh. uh, so, yes, very impressive what he was doing. Congratulations to both him and Jessica Weiss. And maybe worth noting, every single time our producer said in my ear, Swiss Army Knife, I ignored it. As you should. Not once did I call Jessica by his favorite nickname, the Swiss Army Knife, and uh, I completely ignored it. That's so. because she's Disc Princess. She's yeah, a, I mean, check, I mean the, check the Instagram she, and, her, exactly. and her email account <laughs> or whatever, uh, but Swiss Army Knife, I have ignored. Uh, is it mildly clever? It is. I'm, it I'm, is because of her skill sets that you just got done praising, so mm-hmm. I agree with that. I don't feel like it hits it's, with the fans. So. It's, it's a little hard to convey. Yes. A little bit. Then we moved over to putting and zero, like less than zero shock was that in MPO, the two best circle one putters in the season, Andrew Marweed and James Proctor, James Proctor, one and two with Marweed winning. 
Yeah. Just, I mean, you, you, the, the guy is so consistent, just so good. I, I was watching his form and I was looking as like, is there something I can replicate? And I'm like, no, I don't like the way he, I mean, I love the way he puts. I can't get down like between my legs like he does and mm. throw it. Like I just, I've tried because I know Ricky kind of used to do that and he still does, mm-hmm. but I've tried throwing like that and it's just, I would have to really practice. It's not my style of putt, but I'm just like, wow, he's so good. How does everyone not just mimic Andrew Marweed? But then you've got James Proctor who puts differently, who's almost as good. So yeah. it's just, it's so funny. And then over on the FPO side, it came down to, I mean, own Scoggins won. No, no questions Wait, asked. Yeah. <laughs> but honestly, a little surprising was who she went up against was Katrina Allen. Because we saw Katrina last year kind of have some issues with a lot of things. Driving, mm-hmm. putting, just, I, I feel like a, 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 a mental checkout at the end of last season, and she was ready to, for the season to be done. She came out, and I was like, this is awesome. Look at Cat Putt. She's always been a pretty good putter. You know, she went through a little period where she was, you know, a little... Short-range yips. Short-range yips, exactly. But she came out, and other than, I think, one station where she just it just didn't fit her style, mm-hmm. um, she putted really, really well. And it got me excited, like, hopefully. And I know the next couple days didn't go Cat's way, <laughs> but I also kind of feel like Cat suffers from a cat uh, can mentally check out, and I kind of feel like that's probably maybe what she did in that rain this mm. weekend. She didn't play well. I'm not. I'm personally not looking at the singles and doubles in any sort of foreshadowing as to how poorly she played. If it's going to continue into the season, it wouldn't shock me if she won Throw Down the Mountain this weekend. Like, it, well, it, it would because it's chess.com. Or well, it's chess.com. I'm I'm going to call it. It's almost like GBO glass blown <laughs> versus DDO. I'm going to the throw down the mountain. The only caveat here, uh, and it's Mount Olympus now. I, I'm sorry. No, Paul. it's just Olympus. Olympus, not Mount Olympus. Olympus. Um, of course. The only caveat though to this, or the distinction is, there is throw down the mountain will is going to continue this year. Well, that's why event. it's not going to surprise me if she wins that. <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, I don't think she's going to play in that though, so it would surprise me. Well, if she did play in it, it wouldn't surprise me if she won. <laughs> anyway. Yeah. But yes, anyway, so course. it was good to see Kat. And of course, like we said, we saw Owen come out. Her interview with Brian beforehand was hilarious. And she was like, and Brian was like, Where, have you been out here practicing? She's like, yeah, for like four hours. <laughs> yeah. And I'm thinking like, woman, well, what are you doing? You're going to throw your arm out before the round. And nope. Just she gets up. Smash, smash, smash. Amazing. At, at, for, there was a point. Where I was sitting there thinking, is any is any MPO going to catch her? Yeah. But then, it, then I said uh, there was again some chat, and I was like, I think so because of the bonus. Yeah, the long range the long, one. Not that she can't make a sixty six footer just, or two. It's just easier for the men yeah. to hit those longer ones. And sure enough, right away, you know, it gets up and drains the you know hit one of them to beat her. Because uh, I think it was Marwe that was tied with her. Maybe it was Ricky. Someone was tied with her at 42, gets up and hits the bonus for five points. It gets to a 47. And then a few of them beat her like that. So that's good. That's all fine and dandy. So that was your skills competition. That was Friday. Um, Beautiful weather. 75. It was perfect weather. Like, great. There's music jamming in the background. There's people playing. And then the storm comes in. And the doubles, FBO doubles, first 18 holes, May have been some of the worst golf I've watched, not from the play, but just I felt so bad for him. Um, I it, it was almost unbearable 
the way they were getting poured on and rained on and just the, the footing that course is already a little haphazard, even when it's dry, depending on where you're walking and the paths you take to put that in the rain, you have to be very careful. And I was getting a little nervous. I'm like, especially Owen, who went down like the steep side of the hill twice. I think just, okay, I'm just going to wander down here. Cause one time she lost, hit a disc or something and fell. I was just thinking, Oh, please don't get hurt. Nobody please get hurt. And it just kind of felt like the players didn't want any, they were done. They were just kind of, were like, cool, let's get through this. Let's go, let's go, let's go. Uh, you could see it in the MPO as well. The players just not really taking their time to focus. I, it, it was mildly not fun to watch. Yeah. Um, and then I think you add on top of it, this is so supposed to be a fun exhibition, kind of lighthearted event. There's obviously competitive juices flowing for everybody. You still want to win, but it's not life and death, and there's not tens of thousands of dollars on the line. At a certain point, like you were essentially saying, like it just became survival mode. And does it suck for some spectators? Yeah. Yeah, to some degree, because they're out there. They're wanting to take in all the action. They signed up for it. Then again, I don't know how many spectators are like, damn it, get out here. I'm going to stand in nine more holes of this rain as well. I mean, if it's that miserable for the players... You have to assume even the guy, the the men and women that are on site, weren't having the time of their life either. And yeah, it sucks. And the other thing I, I'll complain a little bit about, and I, I know this maybe is just a little bit of the growing pains with maybe one of the next subjects we'll bring up as far as like the graphics and the scoring. It was really, it has always been really difficult to follow teams. Who does what? When I see a scorecard. I, I there's there's no designation as to who's on the team and what team it was just this person and this person when I saw uh, for the doubles I, I just it was a really hard to follow which I don't love I, I don't like the singles and doubles I'm not gonna lie I think I would rather see just maybe I don't mind the team portion I think they, there's a better way to designate there's got to be a better way to designate teams but maybe go to like a a group Stableford scoring style mm. and just give give out points. Guess what? Your team got 15 points by the end of day one. Your team got 13 points. You're in the lead. Whether it's doubles or singles, figure out a way to make it work. I just, it's it's just kind of, it's very difficult to follow. And part of that is clearly on the style. Part of that is on the broadcast, the teams, whether it's right from the control room right down to the commentators. No offense. Mm -hmm. But it's just difficult. And I know the PDGA, this is a new system they're working with, which, by the way, I liked quite a bit. Sure. It probably wasn't ideally set up for a team event like this, which is like, um, feels like a real modified, almost Ryder cup kind of thing, which I just, eh, just eh. yeah, th- that's, that's the number one thing that I'll say. And I'm, I'm, I don't, I'm not making any excuses. I'm not uh, uh, a Stan or a Homer for anybody. I, first of all, let me say, I completely agree with you and everyone else that said stuff was difficult to follow. It was very difficult as an yeah. announcer. So if you were confused, we weren't much better. We weren't much better. And we were obviously trying to do our best. The production room, the control rooms, trying to do their best. We're trying to do our best. Everybody's trying to do their best to keep things as organized and as neat and possible. It was very difficult to do. And 
my one response to it was obviously with the news in the last few months we've we've heard and seen that <clears throat> scoring is going to take place on the PDGA site or be the back end is going to be PDGA stuff you then take this very unique format with a bunch of kind of unique scenarios and we open the year with it and it won't likely get used at any other time until maybe next year or maybe some other one-off event. So when you're looking at creating a scoring system with all the the countless intricacies that are needed Mm -hmm. to just have a scoring system, and you're trying to get that up and running, and then we open the year with something that's like six iterations or 20 iterations uh, more advanced or more detailed than even the basic one, it just wasn't fully there and 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 prepared, and that's it, it's not a secret that UDISC for many years has taken all of these special case scenarios per mm-hmm. the Pro Tour's request and or and or contract, and has then built it to suit exactly what we needed and what was looked for, and so. The PDGA backend just didn't have all of the functionality for this specific weekend that we've been blessed with in having UDIS side. Will it get there? If we had this exact same event one year from now, and let's just play pretend and say all the formats, everything is the exact same, and will the scoring be way better next year? Yeah, it probably will be. More than likely. Assuming just, the Pro Tour doesn't change the All-Star event. Uh, correct. It's... Yeah. Uh, but I understand the frustrations. Again, we were frustrated. Everybody was frustrated. My leniency comes from the fact that this format, if not the back end, isn't completely built out because we had this opening weekend of a whole bunch of special cases. Yeah. I, no, I'm, I'm, and I think that's yeah. enough people maybe don't want to provide that leniency, and that's fine um, because it, it was a little bit difficult to follow, and therefore it was a little bit frustrating. I'm not denying any of that. I guess I'm just saying, hey, I had a great analogy that I've already forgotten. But point is that this is a one-off scenario that hopefully we won't. I mean, I don't think we'll see the rest of the season because when it came to the actual single scores, if you go to PDGA, um, dig into the PDGA live, it was pretty damn good. It held up. All the information was there. Um a little bit, even extra information was there from what we're seeing at UDISC. I'd like to see, there's a few little things that I think that clearly the PDGA live can improve upon, whether it's individual stats, um, whole maps, which I don't believe they had on there. Like UDISC used to have like the little map Correct, you could click on is, it. I think going to be another well, enhancement. Of coming. course they're there. They are. I guarantee you that by the end of the year, and maybe that's not quick enough for some people, they will probably have 90 to 95% of what UDISC had. There might be little things here and there, differences. There might be whatever. It's I, I have faith in that. I, I truly do because with with the guys at the PDGA and now Stat Mando coming on, they're they're gonna get there. Um, I was very happy with how PDGA worked and how it held up, how it went. I'm I'm not concerned at all about this upcoming Chess.com for the PDGA side. Truly, 
I, I, Correct, I'm, because I'm, I, I, yeah. I agree with that. And that I guess that's kind mm-hmm. of one of the big takeaways is I feel like it will serve all the purposes and the needs and fulfill all of that for our standard stroke play event coming up this weekend. Mm-hmm. I feel like everything will be up to par in that regard. It's just that we opened with this really, really quirky, event. quirky unique format. Yeah. And someone just excuse me, said a moment ago and said, couldn't someone just update the live scores? There's only like 12 players. They were, and that wasn't the problem. The problem was, and understandably, the viewers at home and us as uh, uh, and us in the commentary booth, it was a matter of when they updated the scores, for instance, it was a full sort of the scores, and it didn't necessarily tell you who was matched up against whom, and it, we couldn't group them that way. UDISC had programmed for that at one point. Yeah. And, and you didn't even know really what team they were on, did you? It didn't show. Yeah, it showed did, red and blue. Did it? Okay, I missed yeah, that. Yeah, there were red and blue okay. dots or pink and blue dots. Oh, maybe I, maybe I missed that. So that, that was really helpful. But it it might have, if the two blue scores were the two best scores and the two red scores were the two worst scores, you didn't know which blue person was yeah. playing against which red person. I completely agree. It was a little yeah. bit hard to follow and confusing for that reason. Totally understand. Yeah. and. Like I said, it's just something that wasn't built out yet for that. Uh, So that was the All-Star weekend as far as PDGA and play goes. We can quickly maybe breeze over, you know, the universally loved new DGN app if you want. I mean, (laughs) well, let me back up. One one other great point that I saw, and it, it was... It's already been addressed and already adhered to. And somebody, this is all, again, part of learning the growing pains. Someone had said on one of the Facebooks, made a post and said, hey, did you guys catch the login for the live scoring? Oh, Because I did. And they brought up a great point, is if that's shared, someone else could have potentially logged in and completely effed with all the scores. The good thing is... Mid-tournament. The good thing is... Those are double checked because there is you you have they check those single scores against the other app. So if you have one, I have one. Some Yahoo out in California has one that's messing with it. It'll flag them as wrong on the thing. I I, I don't know. Which, I, I agree that's but, possible, but, but still, somebody could momentarily go in there and you're right. Put in a nine for someone, and it might show up on our live scoring depending on how mm-hmm. the back end system works. You, so but, we just we just need to. Be, <laughs> Don't be a jerk out there, people. If you happen to figure out what it is, don't be that way. PDGA, I, I'm, I'm sure hoping. I don't know if you just did. You just have this problem too. I would assume no, no because well, unless it was it just the PDGA filth. has a code. The U disc has always had a code mm-hmm. uh, for every every individual scorecard, uh, and they were unique. And they're always, I think, a you know uh, kind of a unique okay. number. Where when you do PDGA scoring, it's often like just All Star or Saturday or mm-hmm. you know All Star twenty four. And that was the login, and that was good for all of the scoring. It's password, one, two, three. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So someone brought it up on Facebook, and ultimately it was it was said to someone. It got back to the Pro Tour, and he flat out said, this was Phil in this case, who yeah. was the one, I think, announcing it a few times, and the live mics pick it up. And he said, yeah, that's a good point. From now on, we've got to make sure that we're not, we're not 
loudly blasting that on air. Yeah. <laughs> um, and or maybe they create some other check a, a, within like a, the PDGA, like some a other two specific. factor authentication of some sort, Terry? Uh, I don't know if that, it's of some kind. Of some kind, yeah. I don't, I don't know what it would be, but anyway, I thought that was uh, <laughs> that was a very valid observation for someone to uh, to make that, hey, I shouldn't be hearing the live score password uh, when at home because somebody could go out and, uh, and you could really F up a I mean, broadcast yeah. <laughs> because you just keep pressing the wrong I'm number. Gonna hit that it's going to just update them and mess you up, Terry. <laughs> That's something you would do. I was something. I, no, I wouldn't. Um, anyway, the, uh, okay, the universally loved DGN app this weekend, no problems. It went as smooth as humanly possible. There were zero complaints. Um, no shock. You heard it here for the last couple months. Terry and I both said there's going to be issues. Logging in the first event, we know there's going to be issues. Some people can't read instructions and they have issues. Some people are fully capable of reading instructions and have issues. The issues that I saw primarily this weekend regarding the app itself, um, the picture-in-picture doesn't work, which is also tied into iOS and I think Android background playing. So when you close the app, you don't get to keep hearing it. So like when you, a lot of people maybe will put it on when they drive, they'll turn off the video sure. and set it and listen. That wasn't enabled. I know the PD or the DGPT is working on that. Um, there were some issues with Apple TV. Um, there, there were a few apps that no longer worked with certain operating systems. Uh, Xbox. I don't know if they're going to make an Xbox app. I know that it doesn't work right now. The old one doesn't. I don't know if they're going to create a new one. I don't know how many people used it. I mean, I'm sure there's a small percentage, but those that small percentage was pretty vocal. We saw. I, I'm, I'm, I guarantee you, if you the DGPT knows the exact number of people that have the Xbox yeah, app from sure. the last year, so there was no Xbox app. The Apple TV app had some issues. My understanding is. Um, mostly I think some of it was fixed by a reinstall, which I think they even notified people of a couple weeks ago to say, Hey, make sure you reinstall the app. If you have mm. it just, and, and I think that went over a lot of other people's heads. They didn't think about it until, Hey, I want to watch it's this weekend. Why isn't it working? Probably because your app was still looking at the old system and not the new one. Mm. They did send out a, uh, almost like a, a fact sheet that said, Hey, if you're having an issue, here are the things you can try. There was flat out some issues with migrating some accounts from the old Disc Golf Stream app. Mm. I talked with some of the the, the 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 people who had Disc Golf Stream that couldn't get on. And there was a message that went out and said, yes, we're having issues. We're hoping to get it all situated. It seemed like it was almost like a one-on-one fix. Like it's not just a, hey, we can fix them all with one swipe or one little code that they might have to go into individual accounts, which would be time consuming. But I get it. Um Maureen Miller says screen mirroring didn't didn't work for him. Um, yeah, there's things. The Fire Stick people had old versions of Fire yeah, Stick. That like sounded like a, oh, a very popular uh, yeah challenge. Uh, exactly, uh, old operating system because the new Fire Sticks worked. It was I think they it was in part of their wiki like something older than version seven of Fire Stick. I don't I don't know exactly, um, which sucks. But at some point, yeah. as we know, with any software, you have to stop supporting old versions of certain operating systems. I mean, 
my publisher 95 no longer works. I'm a little upset about that. Microsoft publisher 95. It's uh, my Encarta. I would just ask Clippy. Yeah, yeah. My Encarta. Clippy will help. My Encarta Encyclopedia CDs. I can't <laughs> get them to run. No, and I get it. I, I'm not. I, I'm not diminishing anyone's individual problems because they're all valid. But overall, I feel like it was a relatively successful broadcast with a successful app. I watched on the iPhone. I watched on my Roku, and I watched on my laptop. All, all three of them, at one point or another, never had a flaw. Not one single issue. The rewind and fast forward worked great. Pause worked great, which is obviously the big thing. So I'm sure many of these things the Pro Tour is going to look at and get fixed. They have already said they're going to be working on it. I don't know if it'll be ready by chess.com because app development does take time. You know, It's not just like, oh, here's a setting I hit. You know, I need to enable it. It's not going to be that easy, but some of those things might be some, some of them, some of maybe buried somewhere. There was a, it was a button that's like, oh, enable this. It could be. Clearly, I don't know. Yeah. I mean, as far as like iOS background, I think there's an option to do that. Um, I still have issue with certain, like my podcasting app. If I open up my Twitter feed, it just stops playing. Mm. It'll play in the background, except for when Twitter um, it, because like Twitter wants to like autoplay videos a lot of times. And so it automatically cuts out my, my podcast when I don't want it to. So every app has a little bit of some quirks to it. You just kind of have to learn what those are. Um, so I have faith that this DGN app, while not perfect, no, and I guess I didn't expect, I hate to say no one expected it. No one should have expected it to be perfect. It will at some point, be as good, if not better, than what we had last year. I mean, again, we already have DVR, which was for a lot of people a big issue. So I'm, I'm, I'm excited. I'm glad. If for the most part, I think it was a relatively successful broadcast, uh, except yeah. for the commentators. Didn't like that. Uh, yeah, I mean, uh, I can't stand me. Uh, <laughs> um, yeah, it sounded like there were a significant. Uh, or let me rephrase that. Clearly, there were significant technical challenges for some people. And like you said, it, that's got to be really frustrating. I'm, I, I'm assuming everything's going to get worked through, is all I can say to that, is just my assumption. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't think anyone's <clears throat> challenges were necessarily dismissed. I do feel like some of them were a little easier to fix than others. Like you said, if if there was an instruction sheet that said, hey, you really should prepare and here's the three things you need to do or here's the one thing you need to do, some people probably easily overlook that or didn't think to actually do it. And then there's some very legitimate technical glitches that will, I'm assuming, get addressed. So I'm going to scream until I get a <clears throat> Nintendo Switch app. Ooh. So, because I mean, if, if people want the Xbox one, I feel like I should get one for my Nintendo switch. Nintendo switch sold more X than Xboxes. I mean, it's way more popular. Uh, Ooh, there was something on the board here. Uh, sorry. I saw something actually. Oh, it says here. Let's be honest. They used the broadcast as a QA process that should have happened prior. No, I don't believe so. They did. They did QA with it. Maybe not on every single app. They probably didn't 
try every single feature, but I think you could you could arguably say that they definitely used All Star Break as um as a beta test for the actual season. I don't think it was a true <clears throat> QA process. I think you're looking at probably they know that the all-star event has lower viewership than most of the events. And, and you know, you put it out there. It sucks that again, they have 50,000 subscribers plus my understanding is. And the number of complaints that are out there are a fraction of a fraction of the total subscribers. Most people didn't have problems. The ones that did, I, I mean, I, I would say, I don't say they're outliers, understandably, but, understandably but those were vocal and they were vocal and they, as they should be, because yeah. if, if we're, if they're not vocal and they don't speak up, their problems won't be fixed. Yeah. You know, as we all know, there's constructive criticism and there's a whole constructive criticism. <laughs> I prefer the constructive stuff myself, but what do I know? Um, I, I think that the DGN will work on getting things set up. I don't know if there's going to be an Xbox app. In, well, in, in, in a couple of weeks. Yeah. I don't yeah. know. That, that type of development takes a long time. Like picture in picture, background audio, that could just be a simple quick coding update that then they push out an update to the app. I'm not saying it is. I don't do app programming. I don't know, but it could be if you already have the app developed. I think we're on the right track is what I'll say. And I'm very excited. I spoke, I, and I'll say this. I spoke with the guy who just, I think it was about a week, week and a half ago, who headed up the project to have this app developed and who worked with the team from Insys to get this all taken care of. And he, he told me, he's like, listen, I know we don't want to be a faceless corporation. We want to make sure that a majority of our users are content and happy and that we want to uh, work with them and get everything as as good as we can get it. And we're going to continue to improve the app throughout the entire year. So I have a lot of faith that he's not just blowing smoke. Yeah. Because I know him. Like, I've worked with him for a couple of years now. And I truly believe that we will have a very good product that a huge majority of people will be happy with within a decent amount of time. So, and that's all I can hope. That's all I can say. Yeah. This maybe isn't quite a perfect, uh, it's definitely not a perfect analogy, but just out of curiosity, I went to some of my analytics on the Disc Golf Guy channel because it will tell you what the operating system is, and I guess this is kind of interesting. Mm-hmm. Again, this is post-production versus live, so clearly it doesn't perfectly translate. I bet you it's... However, with- it's probably with relatively similar. Yeah. Um, this is just my channel. 16.3% of my viewers are using Windows. 14.6 Android, 12.4% iOS. Roku is 13.8%. Mm, we were dumb. Smart TV is 12.5. Amazon. Probably, yeah, that's probably smart TV is probably things like <clears throat> Samsung and other things like that. Amazon Fire operating stick uh, or Amazon Fire OS, sorry. 7.4, Macintosh 4.0, WebOS, blah, 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 blah. Apple TV OS 3.3, Xbox 2.3%, PlayStation 2.1%. Nintendo Switch is there. Ooh, Ooh I, 0.1% of 
of my viewership so comes from Nintendo Switch. <laughs> I'm no, sorry. You how? don't watch my stuff. <laughs> no, you're right. I don't. Not much. Um, what was Xbox? I'm sorry. I wasn't. Uh, Xbox is 2.3%. So, PlayStation, 2.1%. So, I mean, 2, 2.3% is a small percent, but 2.3% of 50,000 people. Yeah. You know, that, that's, that's, that's a significant amount of people. You know, that's not a, a non-zero amount. I mean, it's small in the of grand course. scheme of things, but that's still a decent amount. So Yeah. So, anyway, I just thought that was interesting because I know I could pull that up. That's on my channel. That's mostly post-production. That's already on YouTube. So, how that translates or not, I don't know. But I thought it was kind of interesting because it was just a few clicks away from me to find that. Roger Knock asks, did you guys address the possible causes for buffering on MPO only and app crashes? No, I didn't experience that. Um, and I will say that the the second the second day, Sunday, I watched a lot less because mm-hmm. I honestly lost interest with the rain, knowing it was only going to be nine holes. I, I, I didn't. I kind of just checked in a little bit, so I, I couldn't tell you for sure. I, I don't know. Okay. Yeah, I, I, that I can't. I can't speak to. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I'm seeing and hearing a lot of the feedback. Of course. But uh, obviously, for the most part, I'm just sitting there watching the actual live feed that's uh, put in front of us. So, um, yeah, I guess that's the All-Star Weekend. Um, it does. I, I'm undecided if I really like the idea of them playing the safari holes. Uh, I think I did the math, and I think f- four or five of the holes out of the nine were safari that we won't see next weekend. I'm okay with that. It just gives you more of a sense of feeling of the course. Like how there are surprisingly Terry, and I know you've done throw down the mountain for many years. Now there are some people that don't know the course. Now they should all check out your channel. Go watch Terry's channel. It's got the vast majority of the layout is going to be seen. So you'll pause. If you're listening to audio, pause it. Go watch about six years worth of Throw Down the Mountain, mm-hmm. and then come back. All right, you're back now. Mm-hmm. I'm assuming. Um, I think it gave a good feeling for the course, the style of course that we're going to see. Even if it's safari, even if it's a little different, I just in general don't think that that this was a a, a great fit for the All Star. I would have rather seen maybe not safari, but uh, a modified version of the course, a shorter version, something more fun. As mm-hmm. I said, I just. Make it more exciting. And even if it would have been beautiful weather, the all-star event should show off skills and talents. And like Gannon had the right idea when from 30 feet, he was driving at the basket. Like, I want to see more of that. I want to, I want to see players be aggressive, have fun, do a little bit of smack talking. And of course, again, weather dampens everything, but I don't feel like you would have, even in good weather, I don't feel like you would have gotten that from this course. It was a little difficult, I thought. Yeah, uh, it, was a, it was a difficult layout. I mean, it was 50, mm-hmm. 5,500 feet, which I guess isn't that long, so to speak, uh, when you think about our, our overall courses. But I guess we'll see. There was uh, not a, I, it was interesting for me because the only hole that was new to me, so to speak, in, that will be played as a straight up hole was hole number five. And I think it's going to be nine during the broadcast. That's the one that played down for the FPO and then up to the upper shelf on mm-hmm. the MPO. Excuse yeah. me. Um, that's the only hole that I noticed was 
quote unquote brand new in terms of the layout. And I think I just got the drone previews for this weekend. So maybe I'll, I'll rip through those and take a look and see what else is different, if anything. But that was the one that was like, oh, this is truly a brand new hole that is not part of the throw down the mountain layout. So I thought that was kind of Did interesting. Did they run it by you? I'm just wondering. <laughs> no, there's oh, no, okay. no reason to. <laughs> um, someone had asked, uh, for the most part, will Sexton be in the booth with Nate and you when y'all are broadcasting from Bend? Or is it more of... Is it more a rare thing this year in 2024? That's a very good question. I forget the exact number of events, but Sexton will be in the booth with us often is how I will word that. I know there's a few events where he's for sure not. Uh, One that comes to mind is upcoming in, in Waco. I know that he's playing in Waco, but he is not playing in the chess.com event. What kind of friend is he to McBath? He's not even going to come to the event. Gosh, yeah, is he not? Is he not? He's not playing in that. I don't think. Um, but I don't think it, with, for Waco, for instance, he's coming to the booth in Bend and will be there. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I just got done saying the opposite. He's going to be at playing Waco. Now, I want to say like Jonesboro, for instance. It's it's Nate and Val and I and, and whatnot in the booth. I'm pretty sure. He's coming to join us in the booth for Jonesboro. This is all laid out somewhere. I, I just don't know off the top of my eh, head. We'll figure it out. But anyway, but, yeah. you, you'll see him. He'll be scattered. He'll be at some events. Let's talk about some other events that went on this past weekend, Terry. There, there were some other events. The first one we're going to talk about is Grit Disc presents the Pioneer Open, supported by Innova Discs. This is an A tier over in Clackamas, Oregon. So, MPO... Emmett Kyson wins this one over Scotty Withers by two strokes, taking home $1,000 flat, showing round ratings of 1033, <laughs> 1065, and 1,005. So he slowed down at the end, let uh, let Mr. Scott get within striking distance. Third place was Jason Lawson. Fourth place was Colin Bryant. And a tie for fifth between Zachary, father of Pablo Christ, and Dallas Garber. Uh, rolling yeah. down. Oh, uh, interestingly ahead. enough, just yeah. wanted to quickly. Oh, that was. Uh, oh, I apologize. That was MPO. Okay. Yep. Uh, keep going then. All right. Uh, uh, we see Dustin Keegan playing though, which is great. Yeah, yeah. That's that is pretty awesome. Um, moving over to FPO, Sophia Donicky, Donicky. We're gonna go with Donicky. Uh, crushes the field by ten strokes, winning seven hundred dollars over Arena Shakova. Third place was Christy Lee. Fourth place Amy Lewis, and fifth place. Uh, Madison Tomano. So congratulations to your winners and your cashers at the Grit Disc. Uh, big shout out. Yes, congratulations. And also, uh, first, first of all, uh, Sophia, I believe coming down from Canada, she had done, uh, some of you may, may or may not recognize the name, she had done commentary very recently at the Shelly Sharp mm. along with Jennifer Allen. So I want to give her a big additional thanks for doing so. It was her first time on commentary. Disc Golf Guy Boost. And uh, she did commentary with Jen for all three rounds, so I appreciate that. And then if you scroll down just a little bit, I wanted to say uh, Robert Lockwood, Mo, uh, took it down in MP40. But also on that note, from Bevel Beer, <laughs> one Justin Selmer. So Ooh. Justin Selmer... 
skipping out of work for the weekend, not serving up Bevel beer, up there playing well, he, uh, at the event. He made himself $200. Cool. Heck yeah. So that's that's worth taking rich. a day off of work. <laughs> Disc golf rich. And we'll close out this week's events with the 46th. That's all right. The 46th Wintertime Open presented by Legacy Discs. Um, as you know, Wintertime Open traditionally was the almost like the tour kickoff, even mm-hmm. though it wasn't it wasn't really ever a tour event. It was kind of that warm-up event that we always saw. We're seeing less of it now that the tour has moved over to the East Coast. You're not seeing some of the biggest names that we have seen in the past, but we still see some big names. Um, winning MPO was Andrew Miranda at $1,660, uh, shooting $1,013, $1,049, and $1,042. Second place, Josh Anthon. Third place, Parker Welk, whose name that I think we're going to say a lot this year, tied with Maximus Meyer and Ryan Jewell. Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome, like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out-of-pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what-ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. That is your top five because that was a three-way tie. So we're going we're gonna to stop there. And then we're going to go all the way down to FPO where Jen Allen wins by five strokes over Violet Maine. Congratulations. Uh, we saw Jennifer Allen shoot a 950, 952, and a 915. So congratulations to Jen Allen and Andrew Miranda. That was your wintertime open 46. I feel like I have to say the 46th winter yeah. time open because it's, I, I don't, we will not probably say a higher number this year than that number. No, that's definitely one of the mm. longest running tournaments I think, in the country. Do you know, can, can you guess which one is going to be the next closest? I think I have a good guess already mm. that we'll probably talk about. Uh, yeah, you're thinking of the, uh, Rochester Flying Disc Open. I was not thinking that one, but that's a good one as well. Um, I was thinking more probably maybe the KC Wide Open because mm. I think that's probably 41 or 42, mm. I believe. So those, those those three that we just mentioned, the Wintertime, the KC, and the Rochester are just staples in our sport. Yeah. Um, other PDGA news, there's not a whole heck of a lot. Um they crowned the inaugural Global Masters Series winner. I don't think they're... Uh, I believe that the winner here, I'm looking at it, uh, in the U.S. was Own Scoggins over on FPO for pro women 40 to 49. And in the U.S. for pro men, it was Joe Revere. So congratulations to the 2023 Global Masters Series champions. 
Um, we also see Juliana Corver and Johnny McRae, Barrett White, Patrick Brown, Chris O'Cleary, Tim Keith, Sandy Gast, uh, Atusito Kawasaki, Tier Lapian. I'm just going to, no, I'm done. All right. Uh, Kazu Sharai, Nancy Wright, John Graff, Sylvia Vokes, and Barry Fisher rounded out. Um, I'm not, thank All you. All the pros, yeah. Those are the pros. Congratulations to the pros and the AMs, who I'm not going to mention, but you can find that information on pdga.com as well. And then is that was your news. There was really, really no announcements um, from the PDGA. The only other announcement that kind of came out was talking about the Disc Golf Network media plan this year. We saw an announcement from DGN slash Jomez, as well as some hints as to what's going to happen with Gatekeeper and Ace Run, who have been staples on the tour. Gatekeeper's been a staple on the tour since the Steve Dodge days. Ace Run a little bit newer, last mm-hmm. two to three years, I think. Jomez, no shock, is going to stay free on YouTube next day. There was no surprise in that. We were, you know, ever that that was the prediction, that's what everyone thought, that there was no no hint that it was going to be anything other than that. The really the news as far as Joe Mez goes is that they're going to start really integrating in second card coverage into mm. their broadcast more than they have in the past. They used to kind of work with Gatekeeper to get second card coverage put in when there was a winner that came off the chase card, blah, 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 blah. Well, they're going to do more of that. It's going to be, I think, more of a, uh, I don't want to say a wrap-up show because that's not truly what it is. It's still going to be kind of card coverage, but with that final. I'm really interested to see how they do it. I might actually watch some post-production if there's a chase card, to, uh, someone coming close in order to watch, in order to kind of see how they do it. I really hope, and maybe I'm alone in this, there's a good chance, that if they start doing some of that chase card coverage, that they kind of treat it a little bit more, a little bit more like live, and maybe this isn't the right way to do it based on what people think of live, and maybe kind of start taking out players that maybe aren't significant. Mm. If you've got someone on the lead card who is seven strokes out of first place doesn't have a chance maybe you've got somebody on the chase card that is still that that is, that is pushing that's maybe surpassed them just keep updating their score but maybe don't show all their shots maybe show a, a cool drive or two but then just ignore them i i would like to see because if not we're already seeing the joe miss coverage go 40 to 45 minutes for a nine you start adding in chase card coverage are we talking 50, 55 minutes. Like you almost have to start trimming things out at some point. If you want to tell a good story. And the question is, what is, and I don't know the answer to this. What is the purpose of Jomez at this point? Is it to show lead card coverage and then possible champion? Or is it to tell the story of the event? Because there is a, you can, you can do both, but you're going to, you're talking long, long time. And at that point, you know, it's almost it's almost less time to watch live. Um, so I really hope that they that they find a way to start kind of trimming players out. You know, start out with everybody and then kind of maybe we'll start forgetting that person once we know that they are out of contention. Now, what about uh, what would you say to uh, in a three round event? It's round two, and would that still be applicable to? You know, the three guys are 10 under. It's, 
the other person's even, you know, or is is even for the round. The other three are shooting seven, eight, nine under. The other guy's one over. He's just struggling. Mm-hmm. Whomever, absolutely struggling. Do you start to wean them out? Even possibly. Even during it's going to be that s- second round coverage. Yeah, there's going to be a point where it's like tough. Where like let's say there's six strokes out, and maybe you start to not. We we've done this in live. You start to kind of skip their shots a few times, and then suddenly they go on a streak. They eagle. They get three birdies in a row, and now they're within two strokes again. Sure. And in and in live, we don't have the benefit of knowing that. In post, they know that. the The hard part is going to be like, hey, someone's like five, six, seven strokes off the lead. You're on the second day. You kind of start dropping their shots. Suddenly, third day, they're making a run. You know, they get hot. We don't see it that often, but you never know. They're making a hot, and suddenly, are you thinking, well, maybe I should have kept all their shots in the day before because now we're not seeing them. I mean, hindsight 2020, I just think for viewers' sake, you kind of got to start trimming somewhere. And it, it, it sucks if, if you know, if you're the guy that's going to get start getting cut out of the Jomez coverage, because we do know that some players have media bonuses. What what does that mean then? If if only <laughs> if only a third of your shots are shown on the media cover and suddenly you're cut out. Yeah, I, I don't know what to do. I don't know how a, how a would sponsor would approach would that. Get. I would think so, but you you know, because at that point you're you're doing you and your sponsor a favor by getting cut out. <laughs> that's true. You're playing nobody that poorly. To, nobody wants to see that. It was like, oh, did you see, you know, Joe Schmo? Man, he totally bombed. Well, no, I didn't. He was. He was, <laughs> he was I had to watch that on live. Yeah. So, I, but that's that's just again my, my opinion. Maybe they, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe everybody wants to see every shot on that card as well as the the chase card guy. You know, whether they win or not. You know, everyone's showing, and then people want to see a 50 minute Jomez video. I, I, no, don't know. I don't know. I'm not, I'm not the demographic that usually watches, so I, I can't say for sure, but I just feel like you, you kind of got to make, you got to make some sacrifices at some point. So anyway, so we see Jomez getting the second card coverage from the DGN cameras, which means what's going to happen with gatekeeper. Now, we found out that Gatekeeper still going to put out post-production, but it's going to be later. They're not going to get next day post-production. I believe they're going to get a copy of the footage and probably put it out Monday, Tuesday-ish, start mm. to put those videos out is what my understanding is. I don't think I'm breaking <laughs> any news here, but maybe. Um, so that's what we're going to see from Chase Card coverage, um, which means that they are not going to be on the road with the Disc Golf Network. So hopefully, maybe that means we're going to see more A-tiers covered. Maybe we're going to see some of the Q-series covered from them. Maybe we're going to see some more Can Jam stuff covered, Discflect or whatever it's, it's called that, that Gatekeeper has done in the past. Moving over to FPO, our, our good friends over at Ace Run, who are you know usually on the board. If you're out there, Ace Run, shout out to you guys. They are no longer going to be on the tour as well either. FPO Chase Card will will be covered the same way as MPO chase card through the Jomez coverage. But I don't think we're going to get even chase card post-production of FPO like we did with, like we are with gatekeeper. I just think you're not going to see full chase card coverage. And it kind of goes to show you the, 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 unfortunately the value of that. There's just not the, the viewership numbers to justify the hours that are spent editing that coverage, unfortunately. Yeah. It's um, just raw economics. 
you know, if <clears throat> what I would presume is that if it's not lucrative enough for Ace Run Pro to be out there to continue covering, and now sometimes just it's just uh, purely life, and you know they they both you know both of those guys have families and everything else, but the economics aren't there for them to have dedicated chase FPO chase card coverage. And I give them a ton of credit for everything they've put forward. They've, they've done all the hard so work great. that they've done, the relationships, the additional videos, and and they're going to continue to do tons of coverage. It's not like they're closing up shop, but sounds like you're retiring, it, Terry. They're I old. Know. I mean, it, it just it does say something <laughs> about the economics. And I, for many years, have heard others say, "Well, we need this. This should be happening." So on and so forth. And there's the kind of idealistic way of something happening, and then there's the reality. And right now, the reality, clearly, for uh, Ace Run Pro is that it's not lucrative enough. It might Or ludicrous enough. <laughs> or ludicrous. <laughs> uh, Luda. That's all I can say about it. Um, well, you know, it D- DGN noted in their announcement that they had been supplementing for that coverage supplementing money. So they were actually paying to have that chase card coverage for those teams because it wasn't lucrative and disc golf network and DGPT wanted to have this. They wanted to push it because they thought maybe there was a chance it would pick up with the, with the way our sport has exploded in the last couple of years, but they're just, it just wasn't there. And at some point you have to cut, you have to just say, you can't keep throwing good money after bad. Mm-hmm. We we can't continue to supplement this coverage and not get any return. And I think that's really what it was. And 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 if if Ace Run and Gatekeeper, I, I don't obviously I don't know the 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 financial logistics completely behind it. But if if you're not getting money from the Pro Tour, it it's hard on the road. It's tight. Those yeah. those purse strings have to be tight. So, disc golf rich, disc golf rich. But like as you said, the good thing is this might lead to more of an explosion. We'll say in quotes of other coverage. We might see more disc golf masters tour from Ace Run Pro. We might see more local south uh, southeastern A tiers, of which there are plenty. Maybe Ace Run continues to travel the country completely and can get out to the West Coast, can get out to the Midwest, and see. And we can see more of these events. They're just not going to be at the Pro Tour. They, they did say maybe some select events, sure, which could be PDGA events. It could be majors. Uh, I would n- I'd be shocked if we did not get chase card coverage of most of the majors. Um, I bet you we see Ace Run or Gatekeeper kind of come back for those those major events. And I don't know, but it would make sense. The PDGA has usually been pretty good about that. I think I think that's a, a good spot for that kind of coverage. But maybe just not your everyday DGN. And, and I'm not sure exactly if they were essentially just, just using air quotes, uh, contracted cameramen or not for this weekend. But the Ace Run crew well at least half of it i i guess i never saw felix personally but i did see conrad out there mm-hmm. and was at i almost called it throw down the mountain was at the all-star ah, event this gotcha. weekend now i was just going to go out to their page and see if um and see if they were if they've released anything or if they're planning to or not that i'm not really sure of but 
I'm uh, guessing I that did they see were, them working the event in that capacity. I'm guessing they were just this weekend live camera people. They were they were warm bodies. <laughs> um, they they have been currently releasing some Savannah Open action. So if you want to find that on their channel, you can. But yeah, okay. I don't see any. Um, I don't see anything else from this particular weekend, and maybe it's still coming that I'm unsure of. But yeah. So so there's that, and I guess what I'll say to all of that is, <laughs> for everybody that wants coverage, just realize, like Johnny just said, sometimes the dollars and cents don't line up. It sounds like a damn good job, and it is a damn good job, and it is a lot of fun, and it is a lot of learning and traveling and experiences, and it's all those things that I've been part of myself as well for 14 plus years. However, if you if you think you're going to get rich by going out and covering disc golf, it's not that easy. Let let's what, let's put it that way. What what's one of uh, our favorite sayings? You know what you should do? No, you're not doing enough for me. No. Nope. Um, if it don't make labor, dollars, it don't make sense. There you go. Yeah, DJ Quick, thank you. So <laughs> we're the only podcast that will quote dj quick this week just uh, just so you know that's very true that's that not is just very... disc golf podcast we might be the only podcast <laughs> in the world that's going to be quoting dj quick this week uh, uh just yeah. just don't forget where you heard it first uh <laughs> someone had asked if uh who is going to did somebody ask who's going to pick up dgmt coverage oh which company will pick up the dgmt that's a good question i i think we need to catch up back up with callie actually but um callie mcmorin i think we will see ace run pro probably team up with her for some events i don't know if there's other established entities that are in the queue there probably are for some events uh i don't know that anyone's gonna go out and make that their full-time gig nothing for nothing i don't see that being incredibly lucrative either uh right now and unless maybe cali secures some sponsorship and then can offset some of those costs but from viewership alone that's not going to be lucrative enough for any team to be on the road and and grow and throw and uh, grow and 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 uh, thrive exclusively with just that coverage. I just we say we hear it all the time. I hear it all the time. I would love to watch Climo and Felberg and and Avery and Rico and Nibo and and now Kale and and Shasta and all these Joe Revere. I would love to watch all of them. I'd watch that in a heartbeat. Yeah. Bullshit. Because <laughs> maybe you will. Some people will. Some people There's would. not 50,000 more of you. There's not enough to make it make sense. There's 5,000 of you. Maybe there's 10,000 of you. There's not 50 or 100 or 200,000 of you. And therefore, uh, until those views match up, not lucrative. I I don't want to make it feel like the, eh, I'm not going to say it. Never mind. Okay. Just I, better. I not say it. Okay. <laughs> Just right. uh, Aaron, Aaron's out there on the board. Uh, good to see you. Uh, Roger says film as normal. Whoever finishes in top five, get a post gets on post, gets on post as if they were on the same card in a regular Joma's coverage and plus highlight shots. That sounds like a major pain in the ass. And it sounds like Spoilerville, man. 
<laughs> I mean, and now you have to film a five some every like out of off of two different. Oh, is that what they're suggesting? I think he's just no. whoever takes top five gets on the card and act like it's a five some. Oh God, no! That sounds miserable. Yeah, I know it. it because then you're taking from an editing perspective, that sounds absolutely miserable. Mm-hmm. I'll just say that. Well, I, you know, I, I don't know. Do you do you include somebody on Chase Card if they, you know, if at some point they're they're they take the lead, even if it's you know five holes in because they're do ahead. You find of Find a way to sprinkle them in do, or do incorporate you, them, sure, you know, and then they drop off. Do you do you not show them again? It's going to be a very difficult process to make it feel cohesive i th- i think that the jomez guys can do it they're very talented i think they have a a, a really good editing crew that will they will find a way to to make it happen yeah but just um but making it like a five some would be difficult and time consuming and it would make the you'd have to trim and if you want to keep it again within a certain amount of time you're talking tight cuts tight yeah. shots like that, that that that's a lot so yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, let me let me pull back just a little. If somebody wants to take on that task, God bless them. Good luck. Mm-hmm. But that sounds the the from the editing that I know of, <laughs> that yeah. sounds miserable. And let's be fair. I, I think we've I now trained, trained and or become accustomed to foursomes and i've recently edited some five some footage uh from cards that were it was a five some on the final round uh southeast asia championships come to mind i edited that and even as an editor i'm like oh my god and i loved all the people so it was nothing personal it was nothing against the event but even as an editor like i felt like the rhythm and everything was just off from the get-go so the rhythm was going to get you. Yes, it is. The rhythm is going to get you. The rhythm is going to get you. Anyway, tonight. Is it tonight? Bum, 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 bum. <laughs> that's, not, that's not Gloria Stefan. Yeah, is it, it is. Yeah, it's Gloria Stefan. Huh. Again, right. another podcast. You're only going to hear <laughs> here on Smashbox. You're Gloria Stefan <laughs> filling. All right, all right. We might uh, not know Taylor Swift, but we know Gloria <laughs> Stefan. <laughs> uh, yeah. What's going on with Taylor these days? Don't know. <laughs> we'll okay. have to talk. Uh, we'll we'll bring in our our Taylor correspondent, <laughs> Hannah McBeth, soon. Yes, and we'll, we'll we'll catch up with what's going on. I think she's still seeing uh, Travis Kelsey. He won the Super Bowl, so mm, no reason okay. to dump him. Yeah, yeah. He's he's kind of a big deal, I guess. He's a big deal. Okay. <laughs> I, what do you think of the fact uh sticking with i guess dgn all-star uh drew gibson so subtly made a hint that they should move the all-star back to tucson because the weather was nice there this weekend okay you, do, funny okay i know do you think that it's a good idea to keep the all-star and we'll just say keep the all-star if they're gonna have it at the beginning of the season to keep it near the opener Regardless of where the opener is, like this year it's Florida. Next year, Florida could be second. It could be Waco as the opener. Who knows what's going to happen in the future? Do you think it's a good idea to keep it near the opener? Or do you think that having it somewhere in the desert where last year it snowed um, is a better idea? It has to be near the opener. My thoughts too. 
98 or 100% of the players that are in the All-Star ordeal are then going to play in the opener. So it would have been absurd logistically for our All-Stars to all be in Arizona this year if the next weekend is, in fact, the opener. That's just absurd. Yeah, I I think the the Pro Tour would have to almost probably pay players to fly out to somewhere else if you were to have it a week or two before the event and put them up as opposed to now when you can just say, hey, maybe we'll give you a stipend or maybe we'll pay whatever, a, a much smaller amount to get them there a week early because flying them in and out of some place in order to make sure. Now, again, if if, the, if they move the all-star break to somewhere in the middle of the season where we maybe had the pro-am in the past, that that's a whole different subject. But if you're going to have it at the beginning of the year, you 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 just have to have it near the opener. It's the only way it makes sense in my head. Now, there's a lot of discussion, and understandably so. Again, I hear you. I think a lot of other people hear you. Some people don't like the All-Star weekend opening up the year in general and that it feels weird or different or awkward or or un, un um, traditional in that, some that capacity. That the All-Star event is the very beginning when you yeah. technically don't know who the 2024 All-Stars are. Yeah. These are technically the 2023 I get all of that. Sure. Uh, and, and like you were just saying, and like others have said, it could be in the middle of the year or at the end of the year. I think the end of the year, nobody would be interested in doing it whatsoever. You, po- you put it... Uh, within a week or two or almost any time within the you put it any within four weeks of the disc golf pro tour finale anytime pick any of the next four weekends still nobody will want to come like they're they're just they're done they don't want to do it and they probably won't could it be in the middle of the season at some point i absolutely can understand that logic. I I'm good with it. I personally don't mind it. I kind of opening up the season because if it's yeah. supposed to be fun and exhibition, yep. They're the 2023 All-Stars and we're kicking it off for if, the 2024 season. AKA, That's just like yeah. shift your mind to just kind of remember that. These are our 2023 top performers and top vote getters that just happen to be opening 2024. That's the way I look at it. Therefore it doesn't bother me. I, I'm, I'm a hundred percent okay with it. Uh, have being at the beginning of the year. I don't, would I be opposed to them putting it in the middle of the year? No, not at all. Sure. But, but I know that it won't work at the end of the year. Players are done. Yeah. Like you get you get to that final event, the Pro Tour finale or or USCGC or whatever it's going to be. It's usually the Pro Tour finale. Players are done. They don't they don't I don't almost care what you throw at them, how many the number of figures you want to put in their pocket. They just want to be done and they want to get to their next place, they want to get their off season going. You know, you might be able to get them in the middle of the season if if the season is a little less stressful as far as number of events, maybe you have a one day thing before worlds an all-star celebration before worlds. And, and, and you figure out a bunch of fun games to play because everyone's going to be there. That could be an option, but worlds already has field games. So you've already got a putting, mm-hmm. you've already got the edge, you've already got distance. Those things are already being done. 
could you roll those into the Pro Tour? Could you could you say field games sponsored by the Pro Tour? Possible. I don't know if that's what the Pro Tour wants. There are other options that could be thrown out there, but for what we have, I'm okay with personally. Yeah. yeah as Web Warren says, reindeer games. Yeah. Um, if it moves, great. If it doesn't, great. I'm not nearly as passionate as a lot of the other fans, as a lot of you guys have been as to when it is. And maybe it's just the the angle in which that I, I look at the whole thing. They're being rewarded. This is their reward for what they did in 2023. You could almost kind of consider it like uh, in, in the NFL, they have they have the Hall of Fame game. Which they usually pick two hall of, two teams that someone's going to Hall of Fame. It's always in Canton, whatever, um, or it's somewhere over there. It's not always there, but um, they always have a Hall of Fame game before even preseason. And the teams, it's it's almost like a scrimmage where sure. they're not really trying. It's it's. I kind of feel like it might be a little bit of that, but still a little different. I don't know. I'm, I'm trying to think of other scenarios where the players get together. Like, I know obviously baseball is spring training, but where, but the players, that's more of like a preseason. That's not really an all-star. And in general, most all-star events kind of suck in no matter the sport. I, mean, like, I guess it, it all comes down to like, yeah, what is the intended mm-hmm. outcome slash intended the, purpose of it? Well, like for, for the pro tour, it is, to celebrate a little bit of their 2023 season and or accomplishments and accolades and things that they they did, their performances. It's also very much for the Pro Tour, and, and maybe this is pulling back the curtain just a little bit. There's two or three days that are media that are exclusively used for updates for this year. So player pictures some of the cool intros that you're going to see throughout the year. Some of the, a lot of those things are gained at the couple of media days that are private that are leading into the all-star weekend. Mm -hmm. That's a time when these top 10, 12, 24 players, whatever it is coming for photo shoots that are coming in for photos and they're doing these little intros and these video things. So later in the year, or even as early as chess.com, when you see Missy Gannon on the lead card on the final day, and then all of a sudden we have this cool little intro package and it's going to involve a, a few stand up uh, looks and, and shots of her. Those were acquired God, I hope they go just the, before a glamour, the all-star weekend. Like a glamour shots theme. This so year. that'd be awesome. The, just to, again, pull back the curtain a little bit. That's some of the things that are gained by having the All-Star Weekend when we do. So for what that's worth, um, there's a little bit of the reasoning or logic to it as well. That's when they're utilizing that time so that the graphics and the pictures and the imagery are going to now it's, be fresher for the rest of the 20. It's when the season. Pro Tour... And new sponsors are... Yeah. Because if you take anything you know from last year... And uh, Macy Valadez, for instance, well, Macy did her all-star media shoots, obviously, not with her new sponsorship with DGA, so on and so forth. So for what it's worth, that's a time that that gets utilized and um, is advantageous for that reason. And it's when the Pro Tour writes up the script for the season. You know, who's going to win, who's going to lose, how things are going to go. I mean, so (laughs) So if if we're on a smaller scale and we can't run it by, say, like Taylor Swift for the NFL – who who do we run our script by? Hmm. Who's like a 
a notch below T Swift that we run our script by that she she let's just assume it's a she she would like um oh maybe uh Julian, like endorse Julian Marquez the MMA fighter mm, okay I, he, he he secretly writes the script for the pro tour okay fair enough yeah that, that's what I heard that's 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 what I checked out on all the 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 the, the twelve chan websites. Okay. So okay. The Cuban Missile Crisis. He uh, he takes care of that. That makes sense. And okay. Of course. I get on board with that. Me too. Or Dylan Cease. I'm not sure. Mm, he, he's a little. He's connected. a little busy with. Well, he's a little busy with pre with uh, you know, with with spring training to kind of get all mm. the details down. But he might throw some ideas out there. He might throw some scenarios like, you know. But, mm. but we'll see. Mm. All right. Um, is there, going on from there, uh, is there anything else we really need to talk about? There, there wasn't a, I mean, I don't want to say there wasn't a lot. We talked about a lot. We covered a lot already, and we're you know an hour and a half into the show. Is there anything that we missed that happened this past week, or do we want to quickly talk about, I mean, we've got the chess.com coming up. It's at the same place. We're going to see the course in what looks to be much better weather. But it's Florida, so it's going to rain at 315 <laughs> for 10 minutes. Yeah. That's what Florida does. Florida, it shows sunny all day long, but they know they're going to get a 15-minute rainstorm. This is how it works. Uh, I am, yeah, quickly, I'll look ahead uh, at specifically at the actual weather forecast. And surprisingly, the showers that I saw a few days ago that were forecasted for Friday, even today, uh, are still on weather.com. So as of right now, though... What is it, Tuesday? As of right now, it's showing Friday showers, 18-mile-an-hour winds uh, with a high of 73. Saturday, a little bit chillier, considerably chillier for them at 65 degrees, 13-mile-an-hour winds, and then and sunny. Sunday, 70 and sunny with just 5-mile-per-hour winds. So hmm. uh, it's supposed to be sunny on Wednesday, mostly sunny on Thursday, shows showers on Friday, and then sunny on Saturday and Sunday. So... 72% chance is what it's saying right now. I don't take a lot of stock, like I said, of what I saw at the All-Star event as far as, you know, the way Cat played, the way some of our other players played. But I will say, from what I saw, Holland Hanley looks ready for the season. <laughs> she played very well. I, I you know, I'm, I'm, not a, I'm not ready to, uh, to crown her champion of uh, the world yet, but I think that she, g- getting that, designing and developing that course and playing that course it seemed like it didn't hurt her. That's for sure. I think she's going to probably have no shock, a good season. Yeah, she's uh, certainly been trending in that direction for the last couple of years now. So uh, I totally agree with you. Uh, she, if you looked at just raw performance, she would be the one on the FPO side. We're like, okay, yeah, she seemingly had it uh, fully together in mm-hmm. almost every capacity. She missed a couple of putts that maybe she could have made but outside of that overall she definitely looked like she was she looked like she was in mid-season form so to speak uh here already so and the little bit i saw gannon burr still maybe dialing in that bag a little bit with his putters uh, but that could just be all-star stuff early of the season i know he said i think he even told us he wasn't going to get a ton of practice in before getting down to florida in the last week or two i, I i'm not worried about him I think yeah. he'll. I think he'll play just fine, but it won't shock me if we see maybe early in the season his putting percentage maybe be a, a tick or two lower than what we're we're accustomed to. But not super concerned. 
Okay. Yeah. Uh, that that's I. I'm just gonna post apologize. I guess I can't pre-apologize because we're two. We're a couple hours in. <laughs> I am mentally not all here tonight. So if uh, if you thought that, well, you were probably right. I am. Uh, I'm a little bit fatigued. I have a lot of things going on, and words have been tougher than normal tonight. So I apologize if you if you've picked up on that. Um. All right. Sounds like there was a big discussion. I don't know any of the details as to something that it sounds like Big Germ had some ordeal in Mexico. The board has been talking about it. Uh, I think there was a post of his. He got into uh, some accident, apparently, according to the board, with his with his rental car, and he was more or less, you know, he got extorted for some cash, hmm. like a significant amount of cash. Uh, sucks. I, I don't know a lot of details about it, yeah, other than what we've what we've seen. That's more details than I knew. Um, let me scroll. Yeah, I think that's about all that uh, that I have. Uh, updates since last week would be uh, a little bit on a personal side is that I did release the Southeast Asia uh, Final Nine. Maybe that was out last week. Anyway, it's out. Really good good chance that in the next few days I will start being able to release the Samui swine coverage. I have three rounds. I'll admit it feels a, it gets a little repetitive because they play 11 holes and then in the back they play those same 11 holes over again and then you play that for three days so it's 66 holes of golf uh, in that sense. However, it uh, editing has gone quite well and yeah, I think you're going to see that getting released. Maybe as early as tomorrow, we may see the round one, and then I would re- release round two the next day, and then round three on the following day. So I know some of you have been clamoring for it. I appreciate <laughs> your patience. That's that's the plan, if I can get all my hours organized here in the next few days. And I just want to, before we go to our after show, I want to say give everyone a huge thank you for SkipAce.com. I've gotten a lot of great feedback from it. People are still signing up, emailing me, asking me questions about the site. Happy to answer anything. Um, If you can't get a league together before Chess.com, it doesn't matter. You can still create and start a league. I know that uh, Ryan Pilcher is continuing to do his $20 paid league. Totally legal. If you want to pay $20, winner, you know, it all goes into some like escrow service some fantasy escrow service. So Ryan Pilcher can't, you know, you know, vanish with the $300 that is made. Yeah. From not the- if it's going to an escort service. Mm, escort or escrow. Oh, okay. okay. Diff- different, different Terry, different. Oh. Um, I mean, it's Pilcher. Who knows? <laughs> I love the guy. Um, but no. So if you're interested, reach out to Ryan Pilcher. If you're interested in doing the skip base for a little bit of real cash, yeah, he has that all set up and you can, you can sign in, but overall, if you can't, get a team together or a group of guys together before chess.com. You can still draft and it just chess.com won't be included in your league. So go out there. I'm really, really hoping to be like a a really cool announcement in the next day or two. I just got an email literally during our show about a question. So I I can't spill anything quite yet, but uh, if you've listened to the show, you kind of know hopefully where I'm going with this and, uh, and, and I'm I'm so close. We're so close. That's all. so close. Uh, and before we close it out, I'll just quickly say this could be in the after show or not, but uh, I was just sent a reel. I did not get a chance to uh, fully consume it, but apparently Scott Stokely has released or is starting Stokely 
discs. Yeah, he's got two discs. And um, he's doing, the, they are original molds. They're not just a mold from some other company that he's rebranding. Uh, I got as far as that when he was talking about it within it his. It looks like it's a bird theme. I think the two names were birds. Oh, okay. That's what I saw. Very RPM-like. But RPM also goes, I think, with exclusively with New Zealand birds, which are all very unique yeah. and uh, incredible, and their artwork is amazing. So, but yeah, I did see that for two seconds today, that Scott Stokely announcing that he has his own disc line. He's had his own disc lines in the past. Um, I, I know he was working basically with Gateway to come up with a line a number of years ago, and that I don't think went over very well at the time. And now he is uh, fully manufacturing and having these manufactured. And then, like you said, uh, going with what appears to be a bird line. That's all I know as of right now. I'll probably know more by next week. But congratulations to him because that's pretty cool. That is pretty cool. All right. Let's, uh, you want to close out the regular show? I do. Well, I want you to. Okay. I'll close out the regular show and say thank you guys for coming along for this silly little ride that's been podcast number 494 in the after show. We're going to have a giveaway. It sounds like we owe at two least giveaways. one. Oh, sorry, two giveaways. Yeah, because we're playing catch up. So we're going to have a couple of giveaways to uh, continue to thank all of our people that uh, hop on in any capacity with Patreon. Thank you so much. Patreon.com slash Smashbox TV. That helps us keep going. For Johnny V, I'm Terry Miller, the Disc Golf Guy. That has been some of your news and information going on in this week and your all-star recap Chat about some other things in the after show. We'll see you then. You step inside the Smashbox. Thank you to our $2 and above patrons. Your name is listed below in the credits. If you are interested in being listed as a producer in the Smashbox TV credits and supporting this and other fine podcasts, please visit patreon.com slash smashboxtv.